Hello, good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are watching from or listening from in the world. Um, yeah, welcome to another episode of MotoGP Last on the Breaks podcast with myself, Elliot York, and my standing co-host for um, <laughs> this morning, early hours of this morning in Barcelona. So we're a little bit jaded, a little bit tired, but we're going to crack on and uh, yeah, bring you a, a slightly different looking podcast than we've had this year um we thought as we're in barcelona a lot of the paddock was obviously in australia the time difference is <laughs> quite big um we thought we'd just have a bit of a natter about um the MotoGP title race because obviously we're coming into the, the last three rounds of the year um two points in it between peco and fabio fabio leading the way 40 points between the top five after thailand um so yeah we thought we'd just have a bit of a natter get your questions into the chat if you're watching along live on twitch and youtube we'll try and answer as many as we can uh, but yeah very good morning to you jack hope you're uh, not too tired, mate. I know it was early alarms for us both, but uh, I'm looking forward to this. It should be, it should be a nice little podcast, and I'm looking forward to obviously being uh, back in Australia. Well, obviously the paddock back in Australia racing in uh, Phillip Island, an all-time classic. Yeah, good morning to you as well, mate. Good morning. Uh, certainly, yeah, very, very early morning, to be honest. What time did we get up this morning? Around 3 a.m.? Oh, like yeah, 3 o'clock. Yeah. It was, um, wasn't the most pleasant experiences, but we move. No, we can't complain though because, of course, our friends in other parts of the world do this on uh, most of the weekends yeah, in the MotoGP season, so it's not so bad anyway. But no, certainly quite an exciting one coming up this weekend. Of course, Phillip Island, uh, I'm going to say it, my, my favourite track uh, on the calendar. So very, very glad to have it back uh, on the calendar after, well, you know, a very difficult three years uh, sort of thing. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good one. Of course, the, the title race is getting spicy. I mean, it already was, but now two points between Fabio and Pecco. Um, and you've got to say there's maybe a, a clear favourite as well. Yeah, the momentum has certainly swung in the last few races, hasn't it? Let's touch upon Thailand and Japan, because in the last two episodes, we spoke to Augusto Fernandez and Maverick Vinales, and we didn't, didn't get a chance to speak about the, the racing. So let's quickly touch upon Japan. Miller's victory Incredible. probably probably his best MotoGP rider. I think I don't think there's any probably about it. Undoubtedly for me yeah. and for a lot of people, his best MotoGP rides. Um, and Brad Binder and Jorge Martin stand on the podium, but couple that with Thailand for Jack Miller. Um, that's now pushed him into an outside shot at the title, which obviously <laughs> we weren't expecting uh, before Japan. But what a ride it was back in Mategi for Jack Miller. Yeah, incredible. Uh, I mean, I actually had the weekend off. Uh, thank you to my boss for being <laughs> a little weekend off. But um, no, I, I, I happily watched the race on the Sunday and throughout the weekend. And I mean, Jack, even from FP1, was just on it, of course. Like, he, he's lucky enough that he has some experience in, in Japan on the Ducati already. But, you know, so much has changed in the last couple of years with the bikes and everything. Um, you know, we saw them go so much faster because of the ride height devices and the aero. So still, it was definitely a readjustment period. But no, straight away, he was quick and he was the clear favourite, I would say, um, you know, straight from the off all weekend. And I mean, he even said it himself on the Sunday after the race, didn't he? He'd never rode like that in his life. Um, Jack is one of these guys where you've got to say uh, a lot of the times maybe he feels he can get more out of a race than what he has done. But he said there like he had that was 100% of his potential and it really showed because he just walked away from the field. Like we haven't seen many guys really do that this year. Um, and yeah, he just dominated them. Yeah, incredible, incredible ride. Yeah, I was in the uh, broadcast set when Matt Burt was doing the after the flag interviews with the top three and he was speaking to, to Jack and Jack was just basically like, it just felt easy. And you could see that as well. We overtook numerous riders late on the breaks down at turn turn 10, is it, at Mategi? Turn 11? I can't remember which one it is now, but bottom of the hill, you know, which, uh, which yeah. one I'm on about. Um, he, he said it just felt easy. And when it feels easy and you're that quick, it must be such an unreal feeling. And he was obviously, he was obviously buzzing about it. Um, and obviously then we went to... Well, actually, no. We went to Thailand, but we do need to touch upon what happened in Japan with Peko. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I think a lot of us, um, including myself, 
thought that he'd sort of got past those silly mistakes that we've seen a lot this year. Um, And then to chuck it away from um, ninth place, was he? Fabio finished eighth, didn't he? Um, Took it away from, it wasn't like for the win or anything. So it's very surprising to see Peko do that. Um, Obviously now we know that things happened in Thailand, but at the end of the Japan GP, I think we all thought this is now Fabio's to lose. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been such a like turbulent mix of kind of fortunes and fates and all this sort of stuff in the second half of the year. I mean, we'll go into it later, but just like if you chop away the first 11 races pre-summer break and you look at the second half of the year, it's a completely different picture to, to what it was in the first half. Um, and as you say, like we've seen Pekka come on really strong, but then the mistake that, like, I mean, he, you know, we can say it like, you know, it was a foolish mistake and he even stood there in the gravel clapping himself for, as he <laughs> quoted how stupid he'd been. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just like, you know, unbelievable because this man that goes and wins four races in a row then finishes second, just minces out in Aragon to Bastianini, which is a whole other thing we need to come on yeah. to. <laughs> um, and then he goes and makes a mistake like that when, you know, really it's like, okay, of course he wants to get pacified with Fabio, but for the championship, it was no harm just sitting there behind him if he was already on the limit. And as it did show, going to turn two, um, he was on the limit. And yeah, I mean, I think everyone's head exploded at that point when Pekka went <laughs> down. Uh, you know, like Matt Burton, Lewis said to be on commentary, pretty much hit the roof. And, uh, you know, yeah. I think everyone else did as well. Yeah, certainly did. Um and then, of course, I mean, a lot. thinking about it now, I didn't think about it too much before. But thinking about it now, a lot happened in Japan. Obviously, we had a yeah. um error with the, the mapping that the mechanic forgot to change. Um, yeah. So his race was ruined at the start. It looked like he was going to have a decent race. Um, so, yeah, that was obviously a disaster for Aleish as well. Obviously, he was very disappointed afterwards, as you can imagine, because you would be, of course. Um but then, yeah, we moved to, to Thailand. Fabio and Anaya finished sort of lower end of the top 10 in Japan, didn't they? So it could have been a lot worse for Pekko and Aleish in Japan. On one hand, Aleish was obviously annoyed. Um, and I was yeah. I spoke to him after and I tried to put a positive spin on it for him just to try and make him feel a little bit better. Obviously saying that obviously Pekka crashed, Fabio and Anaya didn't finish that well. So you've not lost out too many points, but on the other hand, obviously he was like, oh yeah, no, but I could have, well, he said he could have won. I don't think anyone was beating Jack Miller on the day in Japan, but he could have been on the podium because he he had decent pace tips, Aleish. Um, So obviously you're going to think about that as the rider. Um, And then we went to Thailand, of course, and thinking Fabio was on the podium there in 2019, of course, um, in that battle with Mark Marquez. Um, but that rain shower, well, I call it a shower. It was a bit of a monsoon, really. We were, I was on the grid for Moto Two, and it started raining, and I've never seen it rain like it. I mean, no. after the race, everyone was absolutely drenched heading to the airport. It was, it was a bit of a joke, but at least we got a race underway. <laughs> um, and all the fallout from it was Fabio not speaking to the media afterwards and storming back through his garage. A lot has happened in the last couple of weeks in Japan and Thailand, and obviously Fabio now is only two points ahead. So what did you make of the Thai GP? Uh, well, I mean, for one, it was a pretty crazy race. Uh, I mean, um, I'm lucky enough I get to do the live tweeting for all the MotoGP races. And, um, yeah, I sat there in that race, and I don't think I've ever done as many tweets as I had done the race all year because it was just like every lap there was something crazy. You know, you go from, obviously, lap one, and drama was already kicking off, and then you had uh, Brad Binder and Alessio Spargo make contact and, you know, result in Alessio losing half of a wing and then a long lap penalty afterwards, him coming out just in front of, I can't remember who it was, he came out just in front of, maybe his teammate Maverick, actually. Um, and then, you know, Fabio dropping, as I say, on lap one from, where was he on the grid? I can't remember where he was on the grid now, but dropping all the way to 18th by the end of the first lap. And it was like, what's going on? Because we've also heard all of this stuff about how now Fabio in fullback conditions is actually really, really good and quite strong on the Yamaha. It's just still in half and half. That definitely was not half and half conditions. That was full wet. No. So no. you wonder what happened, but then obviously it was the first time they had any 
wet running in uh, in Thailand. And, Amazingly, and yeah. And and um, you know, Fabio's one of these guys where in the wet conditions he takes his time to build up to it. So I mean, that's one side of it. Then you have to look at the race going on in general. Just Jack Miller once again being incredible straight out the bat in work conditions and like he said after the race as well he's like i know that in wet conditions when no one's had any track time there's three guys that are going to be fast and he was like myself Johan Zarco and Miguel Oliveira and you know those were the guys that eventually ended up pretty much being on the podium apart from Pekka of course uh, and then there's the whole thing as well there you know Jack saying to Pekka like come on believe in yourself you can do it in these conditions and he goes and do- goes and does it and has his best wet weather ride to date um, yeah it was a pretty crazy race to be honest and then Mark Marquez was there lurking in the background the whole time and you were just wondering when he was going to come through and pounce and he did of course have one bite at Pekka but Pekka got straight back at him so it was a pretty crazy race but you know from with Pekka being third Fabio way down and wherever he was um, outside the points and then also Aleish in 11th like it's just teed up this ridiculous last three rounds in the championship which you know we all hope is going to go down to Valencia uh, yeah, hope so from a sporting perspective. It makes life a lot harder work-wise in Valencia, but that's the way we'd, <laughs> yeah. we'd want it to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's start with the fallout sort of from Fabio because yeah, it was a very, very difficult race. Um, and I wasn't surprised to see him storm out of the back of the garage. He was obviously very frustrated, knew what had happened higher up the field, saw Pekka on the podium, um, knew the gap was down to two points um, and yeah, stormed out the garage and then didn't end up speaking to any of the media, which was a little bit of a surprise um, because obviously as the reigning world champion, as the championship leader, it's quite important that we hear from him after the race. Um, Obviously he needed some time to sort of calm down which also you have to understand from the human perspective it obviously is difficult um so yeah. Yeah, we didn't unfortunately get to speak to fabio and hear his thoughts obviously today i think in the press conference it's going to be a little bit more difficult than it probably should have been for him um he's going to get a lot of questions today um but he's probably prepared for that um but yeah a, a, a disaster really for fabio it's now two points with peco on the podium and the pendulum has really swung as we mentioned earlier on in in favor of peko after peko suffered the dnf in japan when we thought oh okay it's back in fabio's hands now it's sort yeah. of back in peko's hands yeah where 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 do we go from here i mean fabio's well, got i think this weekend to really try and build a bit of a gap because yeah. malaysia might not be too bad I think a lot of riders are going to be quick in Malaysia with the, obviously, we go testing in Malaysia at the start of the year. But speaking to Maya Merigali after the race in Thailand, I think they're pretty much riding off Valencia already, um, which is quite a scary thought if you're Fabio and Yamaha. Yeah, I mean, he struggled there in 2020. Uh, obviously, the bike was a little bit different back then. Um but then even last year he struggled as well uh you know like in the last seven races last year fabio didn't win a race uh and now we're at a point where he hasn't won in seven races and there's still three to go um you know it's proper i don't want to say crisis time but it is a bit dire straits for fabio at the minute you know we can't forget this was a guy that was 91 points ahead of pekko after yeah uh, was it assen uh, or before um, after, after, Germany. After, after Germany after Germany yeah when Pecco crashed yeah. he was 91 points and now yeah. it's two yeah and it's like okay there was one card at the bottom of the pile that was pulled out <laughs> in Assen with the, the crash with Aleish and then every single yeah. other card has fallen recently um, you know only one podium in the second half of the year and that at the track where we thought he was going to struggle the most and then he goes and finishes like four tenths off Pecco who won it so it's really weird. I mean, the the whole, as you say, about the fallout after Thailand, where, you know, quite rightly, he was 
really, really annoyed. Um, I'm sure that if he was speaking to someone else uh, <laughs> off a camera, he'd describe it in stronger terms. But yeah, you know, <laughs> and also then this this whole kind of fallout, as we say, is kind of rumbled on because recently we've seen him take a small break from social media, and you can't blame him for that. And I, you know, I've seen some comments on online recently about, oh, this is Fabian, you're losing his head again, like he did in in 2020 this is absolutely not that it's completely different like uh Cal Crutchlow said after well during the Thai GP weekend I can't remember when he exactly said it but he said that Fabio's just like this immovable rock nothing phases him like something bad will happen he's like okay and then moves on um and I think this is again it but we're seeing Fabio just deal with it in different ways now because he has that understanding of like okay I have to deal with it this way because in the past I tried to deal with it like this and it didn't work um so yeah as you say I mean it's going to be a difficult debrief for him today there's going to be lots of questions and I'm sure people are going to ask him if he's feeling the pressure and all that sort of stuff but I really don't think he is um I think he's one of these cool cucumbers that just will be fine now um so it's very interesting uh and yeah i mean it all just stems from that one race but it's put this huge question mark over you know will he perform this weekend but you have to say with the way that he's you know kind of championed yamaha's effort this year you'd think that he'll come back this weekend and no problem he'll be you know, fighting for the front row on Saturday and, and once again taking it to the Ducatis and the Aprilias on Sunday. Yeah, well, like, like we say, I think this weekend with it being Phillip Island and it's a bit of a leveller really, isn't it, Phillip Island? It's a yeah. track that suits suits most bikes. We saw Aprilia in 2019 when we, they weren't anywhere near as good as they were this year. Yanoni and Delace were in the top 10, a couple of seconds off the podium. Um so expect them to go well. Obviously with Maverick as well. He he loves loves a bit of Phillip Island, doesn't he? Uh, but yeah, this it weekend does. is is huge, I think, and decisive. Not just for Fabio, I think in terms of the title race in general. Um, because two races to go, then it really starts to, you know, get if you're obviously Anaya and Jack now when you're forty points off, forty and thirty nine points off, with three races to go, it's doable, tricky but doable. Um, but if you yeah. sort of similar off with two races to go, then it obviously becomes a lot more difficult. But yeah, back to back to Fabio. I think this weekend is huge. You mentioned the f- fighting for the front row. Um, we were looking earlier on, weren't we? And he's not had a front row amazingly since Assen. Yeah. And considering the tracks we saw coming up, like Silverstone, we thought oh, he's going to um go well there at least fight for the podium um and be on the front row i mean the long lap penalty fair enough sort of ruined his race because he was in second before that and then couldn't do anything after yeah. that um but it's been so tricky since the summer break and i think thailand was sort of the camel that broke the straws back in a little bit of a way i know the 17th yeah. was obviously difficult to take but i think he knows and he's seen peko Peko's form since summer break and Fabio's riding the wheels off that Yamaha, absolutely riding the wheels off it. He couldn't be riding it any more harder than he is doing. Um, but I think when you're fighting against all those Ducatis, obviously had Aprilia doing well as well. Um, Japan wasn't a great weekend. I think, yeah, I think, I think he is feeling the pressure a little bit or maybe putting pressure on himself. Um, if that makes a little bit more sense because I do I do agree with you. Um, I don't think his head's completely fallen off. I think no. in this day and age, it's also important to obviously if you're in a world championship race, you've got a weekend off over in Thailand or wherever they were. It's probably good to just put your phone down, try and think about other things, train well, have a good time, try and forget about the weekends, and then bounce back. Hopefully for his sake in Australia. But this weekend, this weekend is huge. Hopefully, yeah, for Fabio's sake, it's going to be a dry race as well because that's another thing that <laughs> is going to be very interesting this weekend. Yeah, the weather forecast looks a little bit dodgy. Um, but talking about this whole kind of break from social media and Fabio walking out in the last race and just kind of dropping everything for a while, you know what it reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of when 
Ronnie O'Sullivan used to go for a bit of a toilet break. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'll explain this if anyone doesn't get the reference. Basically, Ronnie O'Sullivan, one of the well, probably the greatest snooker player ever. Uh, whenever he was struggling in a in a, a match or whatever, and was dropping sets, um, uh, frames. Sorry, not tennis. <laughs> dropping frames. Um, he he'd go for a toilet break and then he'd come back and he'd win the next five or six in a row. Uh, and it's I don't know. You know, I'm not saying I, you know, want to make a prediction or a wild kind of theory what this will do, but I really wouldn't be surprised if Fabio comes back this weekend and he's not a different animal because he's been an animal all year, but he just has that extra edge again uh, that we saw at the start of the year um, when he was overcoming problems left, right, and centre. Um, it's going to be tricky, of course, because Phillip Island, as you say, like with the weather and all this sort of stuff and it is a leveler so it means everyone's going to be involved and if you kind of don't really know what we mean when we say like leveler basically we kind of refer to the way that the circuit works um because there's not many big breaking zones in phillip island there's not many big acceleration zones from slow corners it's all very fast and flowing and it's one of these tracks where the rider makes a bit more of the difference in the bike so you know fabio being down on top end power and acceleration it shouldn't affect him so much here um and then you also have to you know use the example as you said earlier about like you know in a and on the 2019 aprilia that was the old engine configuration and uh you know really struggled for power compared to the others and they were still competitive here um and then also, if you were going to talk about kind of who's going to be competitive this weekend, we have to throw the likes of like Brad Binder, Miguel Oliveira, Mark Marquez into into the bag. There's guys that are on that are on bikes at the minute that aren't necessarily the best, but they're riders that know how to just drag it round to a lap in qualifying, and then on Sunday just pull something out and, and stick it on the podium. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, I mean, with Fabio's circumstances, I say, like, if he does come back from this break and all of a sudden he's he's back to, you know, fighting for the podium every weekend and getting the podiums, then all of a sudden it puts a lot more pressure on Peko. Because at the moment you'd say Peko, Peko isn't feeling any pressure because he is the man with the momentum. He's the man that has the security of, like, okay, there's other Ducatis on the grid that are going to help him because Peko's already admitted he doesn't want that help. But it's whether Peko admits it or not, it's another thing in the way of Fabio, where you have these other fast bikes that are, you know, just in his way from getting to Peko. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, whatever happens, Fabio needs to do something because, I mean, in the last six races, he's only scored 47 points and that's the smallest amount out of the top five. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited to see what his reaction is to this because I think we are all kind of expecting a reaction now that he's taken this this break. Yeah, I mean, he needs a reaction, doesn't he? I think, um, like we say, if it's not going to happen this weekend, Malaysia is going to be difficult because I think, yeah. like this weekend, a lot of riders are going to be quick in Malaysia, depending on the weather, of course. Um, and like we say, Valencia is not looking good for Yamaha with Ducati's form there last year. Um, for example, Miller's been on the podium in Valencia for the last three seasons as well. Yeah. He's going to be, if he's not in the title race himself, then obviously he's going to be helping Peko no matter what. Yeah. Um, we saw Johan Zarco helping Peko by not overtaking him in the Taiji fee, which I thought was very interesting. I spoke yeah. to him afterwards and he was obviously very pragmatic and he's good with his words, Johan Zarco. He's, he's, he a, he's a very switched on, very clever guy. And he was obviously, he said, paraphrasing, of course, he said just along the lines of, I knew what's at stake for Peko. I didn't want to risk anything. I was happy with fourth place. Deep down, he obviously isn't that happy with fourth place, but it's obviously not a bad result. But he was very, very, very aware of what's been going on. But then we saw the um, the unseen that MotoGP posted you know, a couple of days afterwards. I think it was last week at some point, end of last week. Yeah. And we saw Davide, Tarlatsi, Chibati and Delinia go to Pramac to say sort of <laughs> thank you. And then we realised, okay, words, serious words have been had here. Um, yeah. 
and obviously Pramac didn't look too pleased, which you're not going to be because you want your riders to be on the podium and Zarko's late, ra- late race pace, that's difficult to say after <laughs> in the morning. Um, <laughs> late race pace was pretty astounding and he yeah. had the pace to win and then I got to the back of Pekka and didn't overtake. Um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting again and Fabio doesn't have that of course with... Um, Morbidelli struggling this year um, and obviously Kyle Crutchlow test rider although Crutchlow's done an amazing job since he's been back by the way like sensational yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really he's good. not realistically going to be as much as he'd like to be in uh, maybe I'm wrong maybe this weekend being a leveller Philip Island Crutchlow's a race winner there of course maybe he will be sort of fighting towards the top 10 but Fabio needs someone to be fighting for the wins against these Ducatis um, and obviously Darren Binder's a rookie who is also doing a good job um, but he's not going to be fighting for the win either so that's another thing against Fabio that he's obviously aware of um, so the cards at the minute are stacked against Fabio I have to say even though he is leading the tile but that's why we say this weekend is absolutely crucial yeah, it is. I mean, everyone's saying it. You know, if you listen to any MotoGP podcast this week, everyone's been saying, you know, this weekend is the the pivotal weekend in the championship chase. Um, Phillip Island really is one that can, it can go either way. You know, it, it can either be a dream weekend for you or it can be a complete disaster. And if one of those, particularly the top three or even the top five has, you know, the perfect weekend or a disaster, uh, it's, it's just going to seal their championship fate, essentially. Um, so it's it's going to be a big one. Uh, I mean, you, you say briefly there about the kind of old team order situation at Ducati. Uh, it's going to be interesting because obviously, as you say, like Pecco and also Bassinini and all these guys recently. Um, yeah, you know, you, you're going to wonder when is the point where and obviously Ducati have already had a firm enough stance on it you know they've obviously mentioned it but when is the point where it's literally like okay no like uh, to win this championship we have to have Pecco as the top guy because obviously we saw even you know Miller finish ahead of Pecco last time out where maybe you could say he could have dropped back and let Pecco by but also I think Jack's like you know Jack's not going to roll over and do that for him um, of course we've seen Jack let Pecco past uh, in future circumstances I think he did in he did it in Cota this year I think where he looked over and just let him by but yeah. that was in a circumstance where Jack wasn't having a great race um, and now that Jack is on form he's going to fight for everything he can particularly I mean now he's a motorcycle racer at the end of the day it doesn't matter how good he gets someone Pecco with Jack only being 40 points back or whatever he is 39 or something um He's going to go for it himself. So, you know, and it's, it's going to be interesting. And so it's he's Australia. Not moving, and he's, he's not moving it out of the way this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, he wants to make that honeymoon party on a Sunday night just as good as anything. Yeah. Uh, and a win would set that off perfectly, wouldn't it? Um, and I, you've got to say, like, it is brilliant seeing Jack do really, really well because he's a man that's probably had a lot more criticism and doubters than most in the merch paddock um rightly or wrongly you know uh and several times in the last couple of seasons when he's been down and you know almost like kind of down and out with some bad performances he's come right back and, and punched hard and, and and gone back to the top in some races uh and you've got to say like it's it's pretty incredible you know like simon crayfar said it plenty this year as soon as he made that set of change after the catalan test um He's just been a different rider and it's really, really showing now. He's got the confidence in the bike. He's got the confidence in himself back. He's in a good place in his life. I think every single person would like to see Jack go and win this weekend at home. Um, it would be yeah, pretty special if he could do it. I tell you what, if he wins this weekend and neither of the other three, especially two in Peck and Fabio aren't on the podium, then pff, tell you what, he's... He's seriously it could happen. To Malaysia. It, it really could happen, couldn't it? Yeah. Like, it could, yeah. This weekend, the, the amount of times we've seen like big pack races in Phillip Island, imagine this weekend if you've got likes of Jorge Martin going in. And we saw Jorge Martin, what he said after uh, the the stuff with Zarco and Pekka last time out, he said, I would have fought for the podium. Yep. So, okay, <laughs> we know Jorge Martin's stance. Um, 
and then you know you got the likes of Brad Binder, Miguel Oliveira, both been on the podium in the last couple of races. Mark's going to be in there for sure. Uh, it doesn't matter if that Honda isn't where it needs to be at the minute. He is going to yeah, be, there. be there. Um, and then you know even guys like Zarco. You know if Zarco is a couple of places ahead of Peko or whatever, he's not going to lose those other places to let Peko pass. So um, yeah, it could happen. It could well easily happen that you end up with just Jack Miller or just an Bassinini on the podium out of the top five in the championship. Yeah, let's talk about more about Ducati then because they've got. One main contender in Peko, of course, who's been sort of their star man, let's say, throughout the year. Their sort of go-to rider for the title. They obviously signed him up at the start of the year yeah. until the end of 2024, sort of saying, right, you're our man. You three at the time when Jack Miller, Ene Bassini and Jorge Martin. We thought it was going to be Miller or Martin and obviously Ene has done what he'd done this year and obviously got the rides for next year. Um but yeah, Peko now two points behind. We were saying, weren't we? Well, I, I said it's definitely Peko's to lose at this point with, okay, put Japan aside, the form he's shown in the latter half of the summer. Um, and Valencia being Valencia, he won there last year. Malaysia's going to suit Decay. I think Peko, obviously this weekend is huge, but I think it's Peko's to lose with him being two points behind from here on in. How do you see that? Yeah, no, I agree, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll make the admission I put a bet on for Peko to win the championship <laughs> before Qatar. Uh, so obviously no. for a long time I was like, oh, well, that's not working too well. But um, <laughs> it seems to be coming back around the other way. And I mean, yeah, like you just have to look at his results. And well, since uh, Asin, that, that first win that he picked up in that string yeah. of four, the only blip has been Japan and every other he's been on the podium. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think it is Peko's to lose at this point, even though it's quite harsh and dismissive on Fabio to say that, because, I mean, Fabio is the world champion. Like, Peko is only, you know, the man that is trying to grab that first world championship. He doesn't have a premier class world championship. Um, Fabio does. So, you know, there's that kind of whole thing of like, Fabio, I've been here, I've done it. You haven't, you know, so don't kind of rule me out. But... You can't deny that there's a lot of things stacked against Fabio at the minute. Um, and it's very interesting, as you say, like, you know, going forward, um, there's there's kind of an argument to say about, you know, uh, Ducati's choice of rider for, for 2023 as well, where it's like, okay, so Peko, say if he doesn't win the championship this year, um, and, you know, and arguably the last two seasons, they've had the best bike on the grid. Uh, I think largely it's it's agreed that the Caddy is the best bike on the grid, best all-round package. It, it kind of just makes you wonder if it's like Ducati kind of hedging their bets for having that top guy to go for a world champion, you know, because that lineup of Peko and Anea next year is an incredibly strong lineup with so much potential and even if Peko does win the championship this year which he is the favorite to do so at the minute you know Anaya's not going to be phased either um, about going in there and trying to take the number one play off his new champion teammate um, so it's going to be interesting you know Ducati they've either got themselves a master team or a real big problem <laughs> uh, so yeah I, I don't know I don't know what you're kind of thoughts are on it for next year whether it's going to be good or bad but you know I saw the comment from Peko saying that he hopes Enea will be <laughs> like Jack next year as a teammate I got a feeling I he's not so. going to be <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so, I mean I we were chatting about this earlier in the week weren't we and I think Ducati came to a point where they need two riders who can fight for the title in the factory team that seems really harsh on Jack Miller because obviously <clears throat> yeah. Jack could still win this title he's, he's not out we weren't, yeah. Yeah. We weren't saying three four rounds ago um, yeah. and if he goes on to win the title this year outside shot I know but it's still possible um, then Ducati might be made to look a little bit silly but totally understand why they've gone for Anea or Jorge Martin it was obviously Anea versus Jorge Martin in the end the next year's gonna next year's gonna be spicy for sure. But I think Ducati they've they've had the best bike for two, three years now. This year it's been I know the Aprilia's been very, very solid, a very fast bike and very consistent. But I think 
Ducati have just got that little little extra. Um, and obviously, they're looking at it Think we've had the best bike for God knows how many years now. We've still not got a rider's title. They've had the constructors <laughs> and team titles, but they're nowhere near as important or as big as the rider's title. They want that rider's title. Um, yeah. And I think they've done the, <laughs> easy to say now, but I think they've done the right thing in hiring two number ones, let's say. Because obviously, yeah. signing Peckwood before the year, Jack was sort of wingman at the start of the year you'd say sort of right Peko's our man Jack obviously do as best as you can um, win as many races as you can and if you can fight for the title absolutely brilliant and in the end he still is fighting for the title so, so is Ine Bassini so next year will be interesting um, but yeah I, I think third place for Peko last time out was huge in the wet as well Um he was saying after the race it was like a win, and you can understand why, especially with Fabio yeah. obviously not scoring any points as well. Um, yeah. But he was struggling big time in the wet in Japan um, and then finished on the podium in the wet in Thailand just seven days later. Yeah. So that, that was future Pecco. Um, and obviously his form since summer has been outstanding, apart from the blip in Japan, like you say. Um, so... This weekend will be interesting in terms of, let's say, Anea, Jack, Peko are all at the sharp end. <laughs> Get a, and there's always a camera on Sardotsi anyway, but let's have a camera on Sardotsi <laughs> in that yeah. uh, factory Ducati garage in that race because <laughs> that's going to be very, very interesting. Because I don't see how they can have team orders this weekend if Jack and Anea. I mean, they can obviously say to them, look, and they're not going to be not sensible about it. Um, but for one, it's Jack's home race. Two, Anea wants to win no matter what, and he's still in the title <laughs> chase. And they've got they've got nothing to lose as such because they're 39 and 40 points adrift. Obviously, yeah. Peko has a lot to lose being two points off Fabio. Um, so I think that, that dynamic is going to be interesting this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I mean, as you say, like, absolutely camera on Tardotsi, but we need a microphone on him as well to, to get exactly what he's saying. Um, but no, it's it's going to be interesting. The one thing with Ducati is, you know, that, as you say, like, university, it's agreed, it's the best bike on the grid. Wherever we turn up, uh, you know, the remaining races, of course, we only go to, obviously, here in Australia, Malaysia, and Valencia, the bike's going to work regardless. Um, and really... The one kind of where we're not too sure if the bike's going to work everywhere, because we know that Fabio, okay, maybe he's not on the best bike, but he is going to work everywhere and he's going to make that bike work everywhere. The one person that we haven't really mentioned yet is Alicia Spargo in the Aprilia. Uh, It's obviously an incredible bike this year. It's been pretty ridiculous, the the progression Aprilia have made in the last couple of seasons, ever since they switched to that new 90-degree V4 configuration. But we're still seeing there is one big weakness. And perhaps in the second half of the year, that big weakness has shown a lot more than it did in the first half of the season. Um, if you go rewind all the way back to Austria, Aleix and Maverick were struggling a lot. They were really, really struggling on that kind of straight line braking to get the bike stopped. And there was a really, really good indication of just where Aleix was having to compensate with his riding style compared to Ducati and uh, particularly Peko. Uh, coming into that new 2A, 2B chicane, you know, short, sharp blast up to fourth gear or whatever it was. And then it was dead straight braking. And you saw Peko, the way he got on the brakes, like he just dead straight, arrow straight, had the bike stood up right. Then he'd let the brakes off and just turn in. And with a leash, it was as soon as he got on the brakes, he was already starting to lean the bike into the corner and carry some lean angle in. And you could just see that like, whatever he was doing, it wasn't working to get it stopped. So that bike naturally did not want to brake in a straight line. Um, and it was just making him run on into the corner all the time. And we saw him go wide at the chicane a few times. We saw him go wide at turn four several times and into the gravel. Uh, then where else did he suffer with that? Um, did he suffer in Thailand? Thailand suffered with it a bit. Struggled a, with it a little bit in uh, Aragon, didn't he as well? But obviously still, yeah, Aragon. Um, still didn't do too bad. Uh, pulled out a sixth place, I think he was in Aragon. I uh, know oh, he's on the podium in Aragon. Sorry. Um, so 
yeah, tricky, tricky for Elish because those weaknesses kind of come at the wrong time. And then also he's had some bad luck as well. Like you think back to Silverstone, uh, he had that mammoth crash in I forget which session it was. Uh, was it FP4? FP4, I think. Yeah, yeah. qualifying. And like you got to say that all weekend he looked like the top dog and probably was going to win that race on Sunday, uh, and then has that huge crash, breaks his heel, whichever one it was, right or left, I can't remember, um, and then you know finishes and struggles home to ninth. Pretty valiant effort to finish ninth, like like pretty incredible. But again, it was a whole chunk of points that Aleish lost, and he's only twenty points behind. Imagine if he had won that race, he would have been right up there, you know. Um, and then even Japan as well, you know, he thinks that he could have won that race really basically probably would have battled for the podium even if he got third and picked up 16 points uh you know he's 20 he would have been four back so it's you got to say it's kind of if buts and maybes for Aleish but then you can say that for Pecco you can say that for Fabio you can say that for Bassinini you say it for Miller you can say it for all of them um so it's interesting really you know the Aprilia it's going to be interesting to see just the last three races if it can can really perform like how we it did in the start of the year. I think I think they'll go well this weekend. I think they really will. Like a lot of riders and bikes, to be fair, but I I do think the only sort of properly straight line braking they've got is obviously turn one. Um, but it's such a quick corner, you're not on the brakes for too long because you're already no. tipping it in. Um, and then everywhere else is really sort of lean angle braking, um, maybe turn one, two, three, the hairpin. You sort of straight line braking for a little bit, but even then you're coming out of stone a corner sideways. Um, so yeah. I don't think the problem will be um, too heightened here, like it was in um, Japan, Thailand, and a couple of the other races as well, like you mentioned. Elisha's um, <laughs> had a, a, a very good, but also very weird season obviously we had the his mistake in barcelona where he was on the podium and then obviously misjudged the lap count um and then the the mistake in japan where he then didn't finish in the points i just hope that it doesn't come down to a few points for aleish because they'll look back on this year and think what could have been i know i know the riders all no matter where you finish in the season for these top five, if they don't win the title, they're going to look back and think, oh, I could have picked up a few more points here and there. But I mean, especially for Elation and Pretty, it was two, two human errors that have cost them yeah. what, at least at least like 30 points or so. Yeah. And those points, in in hindsight, would now see him leading the championship with what's happened. Obviously, this, you can't really judge it like that, but there's a lot of points that have been lost through... Yeah human error and not just a crash in terms of rider it's like something we don't see very often at all yeah um but i think i think this weekend like i've said so many times i think we're just both excited to see what can happen but i do think kalesh um and aprilia will be very good this weekend and maverick as well who's race winning philip island kept mark marquez company for the whole race in 2019 before that crash just at the top of lukey heights um, so Maverick will, Maverick will be a weapon this weekend, I'm sure, as well, which will be help to Aleish because, like we said about Fabio, Fabio doesn't have that with Yamaha. Aleish yeah. has Maverick at least fighting for podiums and on the money every weekend. Um, so that will be another interesting dy- dynamic as well. Maverick obviously wants to win for the first time with Aprilia. <laughs> will he move over if Aleish is second, let's say, second behind him? I don't know, probably not. Um Excuse me, but a big big weekend for Aleish. It's like we say, it's been a a weird, especially in the second half of the season as well. Him and Fabio have sort of not reached yeah. the height that we thought they would have, have they? No, well, it's like we said earlier that Fabio had only scored forty seven points since summer break in the last six races, and just double check Aleish. Yeah, like Aleish has only scored forty eight points. Yeah. Only only one more. Um, you know, and it's for all those reasons you say, and uh, of all the mistakes as well, like you, the human error made by the mechanic in, in Japan, like mistakes happen, you know, it's no one's fault, whatever, yeah. you know, Aprilia dealt with it very well and said it was procedural, 
error and they're going to update the way they do their, their procedures and all that. And I think that's the brilliant way to look at it. They didn't play the blame game or anything. They just took it on the chin of the team and like, okay, we'll rebound from it. Um, but if there is one mistake, as you say, that will linger in Alicia's mind, as if he does lose it by a few points, it is that one in Catalonia because it was purely down to Alicia. Yeah. Um, and it was heartbreaking to see as well because home GP, he was on brilliant yeah. form all weekend. In the race, he said he struggled a little bit with the bike, but still, you know, he was running second, I think. Uh, and then dropped to fifth and he lost those nine points that he could have had. And if he does lose it by nine, that's going to be tough, tough, tough to take. I really um, hope not. I really hope not. No, no. Um, but as you say again about this weekend with Maverick, like it's just another thing that could get in Fabio's way of, you know, it's another bike that he has to overcome. Um, that those front guys to be able to break through onto the podium, uh, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really really hard work. Um, also, like thinking forward as well for Aprilia, Malaysia. We've seen that the Sepang test at the start of the year they were pretty good, pretty solid, um, and that was you know in the early days of understanding this new bike that they have now because uh, it was updated of of course from from last season. Um, and you got to say even like you think back to when they first brought the brand new 2020 bike to Sepang test in 2020 before the whole world went into meltdown with COVID. Uh, Everyone was talking about this crazy race run that Alesh had done on this 2020 prototype of Privia. That they were all like, if he does that in the race or had done it in the race in 2019, he would have been on the podium. And it was like, what? And Privia on the podium at that time, it kind of melted everyone's yeah. head. Um, and, you know, now obviously we've seen Privia on the podium, what, seven times, something like that this year, eight times. Um, you know, it's no longer a surprise, but it also just makes you think, hmm, you know, Malaysia and the Aprilia, they could be really, really good there. And if they're good this weekend and say Aleish picks up, you know, even a handful of points over Peko and Fabio in the next two weekends, picks up four or five points over each of them. Um, game on in Valencia, like hugely game yeah, on. Time. And he's time. the one that everyone thinks at the minute, you know, is, is probably the least favourite to win the title at the top three and I think that's quite a fair assessment but you know you still wouldn't be surprised if he heads to uh, Valencia and he's only 10 points off yeah I think um, I think realistically Alicia's got to look at that and think yeah if I can get within 10 points before Valencia then anything can happen if we go to Valencia and there's three riders within 10 points and say Jack or Renee or both are sort of within 20 like <laughs> the pressure is going to be ramped up on everyone and yeah. for if you're relation whoever's maybe a little bit further behind there's no pressure you go in there right all i've got to do is try and win yeah. the race uh, there's no pressure on me because i'm not leading the championship yeah. uh, any, anything can happen and obviously malaysia's not exactly unprone to wet weather um, at this time <laughs> of year so yeah, not off <laughs> um so this weekend and next weekend especially, I mean, Valencia in November is not exactly ideal either. Um, no. So the weather, I think, can play a massive part in the next three races. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. We were looking at the Sepang test times at the, the start of year, weren't we? I mean, it's very difficult and not really that relevant, but we were yeah, just interested to see, weren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was obviously rain affected, I think, on the last day as well. So we didn't properly get to see a day two of everyone going for like race runs and time attacks. But obviously, NA, NA was fastest with the new all time lap records um, on the obviously 20, 21 Ducati, which was so good last year. Obviously, didn't really have to change much, just hopped on it, got used to it compared to the the last one he was riding and away he went. Um, but Aleish was second, less than a tenth off. I mean, I think there was like half a second between top 16 or something ridiculous like yeah, that. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, and then I, I found that Peko in sixth place was only just over a tenth off. And obviously at that stage, early on in the season, the Ducati, the new GP22, they hadn't fine-tuned it, had they? They were struggling a little bit to find sort of the last couple of attempts in race pace and to get it properly firing. Obviously, we've seen since the summer break and just before that as well, they'd obviously sorted it out and now it's 
absolutely flying. Um, but even then, when they were still trying to find those little intricate details to try and improve it, get it onto the pace and better than the GP21, it was only a tenth off what Anae did. Um, and then Fabio was seventh, just over a tenth off as well. Um, so it, it's interesting. Obviously, pretty irrelevant now because that was many months ago <laughs> and a, a lot has changed since. But I think it's interesting looking at the timesheets, seeing how close it was. So if we get similar weather in terms of dry weather, um, as well as this weekend, I think Malaysia is going to be a real, a real showstopper as well. Yeah, definitely is. Um, I mean, you think back to Malaysia, we've seen the Hondas win there, Yamahas, the Cassies. Uh, it all just kind of—it's one of these tracks that more just depends on who feels good on the weekend it seems it doesn't seem to really be uh, a particular uh, track suited well to one because it does have a lot of different um, characteristics Malaysia so I think that's kind of why you you often see we've seen in the past you know some some walk away victories there um, so it's, it's going to be interesting I mean you know if, if you talk about Malaysia it's really Fabio's last race where we know he's going to be quite good like yeah he should be okay there um but it's this whole thing of like i don't know it's difficult to say because we, we expect fabio should be good there but he could also you won't be too surprised if it just doesn't go a little bit wrong for him and all of that really comes down to qualifying like qualifying is so key for fabio at the minute um, you know, you said earlier that he hasn't had a front row. Was it since Assen, did you say? Since, since Assen, he's not had a front row, yeah, which is quite astonishing. I didn't, yeah. now I think about it, it's like, okay, that makes sense. But sort of also yeah. thinking about it at the same time, like, oh, wow, actually he hasn't had a front row. That's quite that's quite amazing. But then, you know, hasn't had a front row since Assen. And since Assen onwards, he hasn't had a win. He's only had one podium. So it's like, obviously, there's that correlation straight away. And we know this because Fabio always says it himself. He says it's it's absolutely do or die for us to to fight for victory on Sunday. We have to, to qualify on the front two rows. Um, and, you know, the trouble is when you arrive in Malaysia, uh, there's going to be a, a load of Ducatis that are going to be quick. You know, you look <laughs> at the test times and all these guys that can pull out one lap you know, one lap flyers. Bastianini's going to be good. He's obviously going to pull out a good lap. Jorge Martin seems to be getting his confidence back. Obviously going to pull out a big lap. Aleish is going to be quick in Malaysia. I am, like, I'll, I'll die on that hill. I think Aleish is going to be really, really good yeah, in Malaysia. Um, Maverick, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, Maverick's had a real big switch change and kind of, uh, you know, his his progression with the Aprilia during the season. So seeing him go back to Malaysia will be interesting just to see how competitive he is. Um, and then obviously, you know, you can list off on the others. Jack's going to be good. You know that Mark isn't going to be, you know, too far off, um, even in his, his physical condition at the minute and with the bike the way it is. Um, you know, and even look at you look at guys like Bezeki and Marini at the minute that are doing yeah. really, really well. You know, if they put in a good lap in qualifying, they could get close to Fabio, and all of a sudden, you know, if Fabio ends up seventh or eighth on the grid, you know, it's going to be pretty much a write off um, straight away, which is pretty depressing to say. But it's also like you know, the the stats and statistics don't lie at the minute. You know, he needs that front row or at least second row to to get on the podium. Yeah, 100% true. I mean, there's so many people now. We saw Bezeki on pole in Thailand. There's so many Ducatis and then bring the Aprilis into the mix. Mark Marquez. Um, who else is there? I mean, yeah, Miguel and Brad. I know they've not had the best qualifying form this year, but they can stick a qualifying lap in um, and get inside the top 10, sort of top two rows at least. So, obviously for Fabio, like we've said, it's not, too much of a worry in terms of I mean sorry it is a worry not just for Ducatis but for for all the other bikes that are going on as well so it's going to be yeah it's going to be fascinating any predictions for this weekend Jack I don't really want to make any myself because I think it's actually fairly impossible to make some predictions for this weekend <laughs> we've not been to Phillip Island since 2019 um and we were having a look at the race, were we, in 2019. That battle for fourth was just incredible. incredible. We know Mark and Maverick absolutely flew off into the distance. Um, we should, I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but 
I think Mark Marquez is going to have a lot to say in this title race in these last three races. Yeah, I mean, particularly here in Phillip Island, I think it's going to be his, his best bet of, of, you know, sticking his elbow in sort of thing. Of course, he's still on 99 Premier Class podiums. That little yeah. post-it note has been sat on my <laughs> second monitor on my desk for a long, long time now. Uh, 100 podiums coming up. Um, you know, it, it's certainly possible. One thing I will say is that Peko in 2019, I know Phillip Island's a leveller and all this, but Peko had his best performance by far. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out on Friday, FP1, if this is like, you know, Philip Allen just gels with the way Pekka rides or what. But in 2019, he finished fourth. He was a tenth behind, less than a tenth behind Miller um, across the line. His rookie season, and in that year, he only had two other top tens, and they were seventh and ninth. Um, you know, not even close to the podium, really. So, I don't know. There's just something about... Pecco that's got me thinking. Um, personally, I think Jack's probably going to pull something out of the bag this weekend. I really, I really, really do. Um, but then, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like this Go is on, when... Say, say something and stick with it. Go on. I dare you. Right, I'll say something and stick with it. <laughs> okay, this is going to be bad. Uh, I'm going to go for a bit of a left-field choice because if it comes off, I look like a genius. Um, okay. Jack Miller... I'm going to say Maverick and Peko. That's not a bad shout, to be fair. I mean, I, I, a I shout at the minute. Yeah. Um, it's so hard. To call. As, a, as, a new, as a neutral, I do hope Jack wins. Obviously, I, I just, same with like Chancer in Thailand. You just want to see them win, don't you? The home heroes, you just want to see them stand yeah. on the top step of the podium because um, it, it's just it's just good for the sport, isn't it? And obviously, Jack's such a popular figure. Um, and then if he does win or beats his fellow title contenders, he's he's really in the hunt. Um, so yeah, it's not a bad shout. Maverick, I think, will go very well. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna back a to get back on the podium. I'm gonna back a leash. Um, but I, th- I, th- I genuinely think if it's mostly dry all weekend, fingers crossed it is, which isn't a given because the weather forecast doesn't look great, I think, especially for, for Friday. Um, and then there's the wind as well, which can cause havoc. Um, but I'll go for an lace podium, Miller on the podium. I just, I just sense a bit of drama. I sense a bit of drama <laughs> in these last three races. Nothing like, nothing bad, but just like someone not having the best race. Yeah, or some unusual someone, finishes. Just someone crashing on the last lap, or just just something. I mean, maybe Anea goes and wins this weekend by like two, three well, seconds. So there's oh, a big it, point for Anea this weekend. On um, and when just after I said about my podium prediction, I remembered it and I went, "Oh, oh wait, <laughs> hang on." <laughs> um, so who's arguably who's the best with tire life on the grid? I mean, Aneo, I don't think it's arguable, is it? Yeah, he's pretty good, eh? Um, so, I mean, Philip Island, we go to it, and it's a pretty high tyre consumption track, you know. Uh, doesn't matter whether the temperature's hot or, or cold, it's, it's pretty brutal on tyres. We've seen it in the past, you know, where uh, I think one year there was a mandatory pit stop. Was it 2013 or 2015? That mandatory Ooh, pit stop, yeah. Something like Something that, like yeah. that wasn't it? Um, oh, 20- but, 2013, because it was Mark's title winning year when he got black flag. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, it's pretty high tire consumption track, and I think if it comes down to it, and everyone's struggling with the tires at the end, I think an mm. could be a little bit of a, a little bit of a spoiler. And I mean, if he goes and wins it, and you know, Pekka and Fabio are off the podium, then wow, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's going to wow. be interesting. It is his first time. It is his first time, obviously, this weekend at Phillip Island on a Mercury yeah. bike. Um, so that that's also something to take into account. So I expect him to have a maybe a slow start and then build his way into it. But yeah, good point about Tyway. I didn't I didn't think of that either, but yeah, that's a good shout. Um let's have your title prediction then. We've been going for nearly an hour, so let's uh, um, let's end on making ourselves look a bit silly. <laughs> well, I mean I'll I'll stick with my bet that I placed in um uh, when did I place it? In February this year. Uh, I, I'm going to say Paco. Um, 
I don't know, just, you know, I thought at some point this year he would come good and he, he finally has. Took a little bit longer than I thought, maybe, but uh, at least, you know, with certain way that things have worked this year, it, it's turned out that the the late run isn't too late. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say Pekka. Um, I, I, I think it'll be Pekka as well, but for the sake of going a bit different, I'll say someone else. Um <laughs> Honestly, I'd like, I mean, I, I don't mind who wins it. Fabio, for me, deserves yeah, it the, most, the way he's ridden. Um, Peko admittedly has the best bike, but he's also shown this year when he strings a few races together, he's quicker than anyone on the grid. Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just go with Aleish just because I think the story would be <laughs> fantastic. I've had a oh, couple of amazing. heated heated debates let's say with our colleagues Jack Capriard and Simon Craig I think it was, I think it was in Japan um, <laughs> they were saying not that they don't want Aleish to win but it wouldn't be as good a story as I'm saying it is but I just think from where Aleish has come from um, and Aprilia have come from I just think it'd be such a it'd be brilliant such a, like a fairy fairy tale is probably not the right word but you know what I mean from yeah Aleish almost quit in a few years ago. Aprilia <laughs> scraping points to them coming last year with a good bike and getting that podium. But to then come with this year with the second best bike on the grids, arguably the first at some tracks. Um, I just think it'd be I think it'd be awesome. But I understand cool. also what Jack and Crayfire were saying. Obviously a few others agree with them as well that they'd prefer to see sort of Fabio or Peko to win which you yeah. understand as well I obviously I, I don't there's... mind but and I think an Aleish title win would be a fantastic story I think there's quite a few good points for like each of them to want to win so there's like there's this really really nice story that's a bit of a like it's, it's a spicy one uh, that you know obviously there's all talk that you know Mark Marquez is trying to build for 2023 and so are Honda you know there's we have our suspicions that um their bike for next year could be a little bit different again um or at least a, a small adaptation of the concept um and you know like say if Honda come out next year and the bike is there or thereabouts it's in the ballpark and Mark is also there or thereabouts as it seems he is um there's no reason why Mark Marquez can't go and fight for a title next year uh, but there's a really nice point to say we'd quite like to see Fabio win the title because then it's like this new king in MotoGP and all of a sudden yeah. the old king comes back with this you know new weapon to take him back into battle sort of thing um, there's a nice little like kind of clash there of like okay I'm the king now and I'm going to show <laughs> you the reason why and then also Mark coming back and you know yeah, I, I am the, you know, you're only holding the throne for me while I was sorting myself out. Um, then there's also the whole thing of kind of, you know, it would be cool to see Pekka win it because then it's like you have Fabio as a world champion who's annoyed and bitterly disappointed that he didn't win that second title again. Yamaha coming out with this, you know, new, more powerful engine next year and kind of Fabio already kind of licking his lips after that, that first taste of it in the test. Um you know, and he, if he doesn't win the title this year again and Peko does, then it's like this, okay, it's nice. You've got the reigning champ, Peko, Fabio out with a point to prove and then Mark coming back also with a point to prove. So there's a really nice dynamic there. But then, you know, if you throw a spanner in the works and as you say, Aleish goes and win the title, <laughs> then it's like, it's this oldest guy on the grid, the guy that for so many years people said, ah, oh, you know, doesn't deserve the right to be there. Like, why is he there and all this sort of stuff? And I think you're just proving that there's no shelf life on on riders of this kind of short, like you give them two, three years and if they don't perform, they're never going to succeed. Um, and also you look back at your career, I'll, I'll defend Aleish to an inch of his life. I think he's <laughs> a class rider. Like, I really do. Um, yeah. You look back throughout and he's always, he's always beaten his teammates and stuff like this. Um, so... Yeah, it would be nice. I don't know. Like, as you say, all of them would be an epic story. Um, but, I, yeah, my head says that Pekka is going to win it. 
yeah and my head says Pekka as well maybe my heart's saying something different but there's so many cool <laughs> narratives no matter who wins it obviously if Anaya or Jack win it from here then it's an astonishing achievement from um, where they were earlier in the year I know Anaya was leading but he had that spell of um, really bad results like a couple of DNFs I think it was and didn't have yeah. a podium for a few races like best of like eight, eight I think it was sort of after his Le Mans victory Obviously, Jack win it would be just astonishing. For <laughs> Can you imagine what the party on Sunday night in Valencia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean for that, obviously let's let's have Jack win it. Uh, no, but I think my head my head says Pecco as well. My head says Pecco as well. Yeah. But my heart wants it to be yeah, an Alesha or a Miller. I think. Um, but. I'd be happy with anyone winning it. I think Fabio, like I say, deserves it for the way he's ridden. I just think with the circuits that are now left apart from Phillip Island, I just think it's a mammoth task. So if he does do it from here, um, say he gets a couple of podiums and whatever he needs in Valencia or vice versa, um, I think it'll be astonishing. So... We've been going for a good hour now, mate. So let's uh, wrap things up. There's the press conference, of course, coming up very shortly indeed. So thanks for joining me. We'll go have another no, coffee. Thank you for having me. Feel the, feel the effects again. So I need some more caffeine ahead of the, the double <laughs> press conference we've got. Need the second breakfast. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if to do it actually, so yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, hope hope everyone watching along live, if you are up early this hour in the morning in Europe, then fair play to you. Not sure what you're doing, but fair play to you. Um, if you're watching <laughs> from elsewhere, yeah, go back to bed. Um, if you're watching from elsewhere in the world, thanks for watching. Um, thanks for listening at a later date when we upload it to other streaming platforms. And um, yeah, we'll see you next time around so enjoy the australian gp we're certainly going to i'm off for it so i'm going to enjoy it i am going to get up early and watch it though i will say that um man. i'll ring you i'll ring you make sure that i wake you up <laughs> i know if i don't i'll just get all the spoilers and that will just annoy me greatly so i'm going <laughs> to get up and watch qualifying in the race and then probably have a snooze afterwards uh but yeah looking Good forward idea. to it um and yeah hopefully it's a good good weekend obviously malaysia up after that as well double header yeah and then valencia so the home stretch yeah. and it's very exciting so yeah top job see you next time around thanks for thanks for watching ciao for now